Hi, it's Katie. And Katie. And you are listening to Proper Tea, the podcast where we spill the tea on Toronto real estate. Let's get started. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hi. Right. Welcome. Welcome. I just want everybody to know that we almost forget to do a greeting every single time. Yeah. There's also really no um, kind of communication between us when because I just start recording and then we keep on chatting and then one of us eventually just starts saying welcome and then we launch. So it's always a little bit of a surprise, which makes it fun, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Keep us on our toes, like live spontaneously or something. Um, Whimsy, whimsical. Yes, we're very whimsical people. (laughs) Um, uh, Some might call it flighty. I would not. Katie, what are we talking about today? Today is the third part of our series of the buyer experience, what to expect when you're buying a home. I won't say the copyrighted phrase today. (laughs) We're lucky if we get away with it once. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, Didn't write that one, folks. You can Google it. Um, But anyway, yeah. So the buyer experience, uh, you just bought a house you your offer has gone firm you've satisfied all of the conditions um your conditions whatever home inspection financing lawyer review could be a lot of things um now what yeah that's the question now what so today we're talking about closing what happens the 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 process that nobody talks about after after your offer has been accepted. Like everybody knows that means you bought the house, but then like, how do you go about being in that house? Like what, <laughs> what happens next? Yeah, what needs to happen? Uh, so what, I mean, can you kind of just walk us through more or less the process for closing? Yes. So when you submit an offer to, to purchase a property or to lease a property, you put in a closing date, i.e. the day that you're going to get the keys and all of the funds are going to be transferred to who the funds need to be transferred to, i.e. the seller. Um, So usually it is a minimum of 30 days, Um, 30, 60, 90 days is kind of, I will say a quote unquote standard closing. Um, 90 is a little long. If it's longer than that, they're there's a reason like maybe you bought an estate sale and it needs to go to probate or something like that um but you know 30 or 60 90 days those are kind of average standard closing times um anything that's shorter than 30 days is possible but you're gonna get an angry call from your mortgage broker and from your lawyer uh saying why did you do this to me and all kinds of fun things um so fun story with something like that happening yes Monica did just tell us exactly and that's when she said 20 day closing my I instantly went panic I was like I'm already scared for you um but yeah so you're gonna you're gonna put the closing day into the offer and it is something that is negotiable so when I I'm writing an offer for a purchase. I'll always call the listing agent first to find out when the seller's preferred closing date is. And I will try to see if my clients can facilitate that closing because if you can, you know, make the seller happy and, and give them the closing date that they want, um, that can go a long way to having your offer accepted, to be honest. You know, I've had offers accepted that 
in in competition where we were not the highest amount of money that was offered, but we had a better closing date. And the seller was, you know, adamant that they had to close by a certain date. So we won. It, there's there's lots of factors. So find out what the seller's preferred closing date is. See if you can work with that. And uh, yeah, submit your offer when when your place, um, and then start the process. Which is which is. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, from the real estate side, uh, it's not very taxing or involved for me, to be totally honest. I mean, in in your offer, you're going to request that you have a couple of buyer's visits, which means that you can go to see the property for measurements or whatever decorating purposes prior to you closing. So we'll help you facilitate the buyer's visits. Um, We'll send all of the paperwork to the lawyer and to the mortgage broker. Um, Anything that that needs to be, anybody who needs to be clued in will get a copy basically. Um, And then you're honestly, if it's a clean transaction and, and everything goes smoothly the way that it's supposed to go, your lawyer and your mortgage broker pretty much take it from here so woohoo you get you get a really lovely closing gift and we see you on uh at the buyer's visits um so yeah so those that's what happens in smooth transactions but there are things that can go wrong um that makes it a not smooth transaction so for example i was chatting with somebody just yesterday and she was telling me a story about on a buyer's visit so it was their second buyer's visit they were just about to close um about a week out from closing uh they went on their buyer's visit and the property had been vacant and they noticed that there was some water issues some water damage there had been you know something trickling or flooding or something like that it wasn't too extensive but you know it needed to be corrected obviously before somebody moved in somebody's not when you buy a property you buy it in the condition on the day that you see it so if something happens between the day that you buy it and closing it's still the seller's responsibility to fix it so just because that seller wasn't there the property flooded before ownership was transferred over to the new buyer so the seller would have had to correct that would have had to fix that so occasionally in certain situations you'll have to get lawyers involved um so i believe in that situation they got the lawyer involved because it it was a much bigger deal um but you know sometimes if it's if it's a little thing um you might be able to work it out between the listing agents for example so you know if it's just something minor that needs to be i don't know painted for example like that's probably something that you can work out between the listing agents so and and there are different ways that you can there's abatements and and different things that you can kind of do to to correct any issues that come up prior to closing. So that's kind of the that's the beginning of the closing process. But then so because the, I, I feel like the the part that's a mystery and I know it's not your thing, because as you said, like once the buyer's visits are done and everybody who needs to get the papers have gotten the papers, um, the real your real estate agent is really no longer a part of your your journey, per se. But as somebody who has bought a home, 
um, what, you know, like what happens next? Your real estate agent isn't involved anymore. Maybe even your lawyer isn't involved anymore, but as a homeowner, you know, like what are the things that have to happen in order for you to take control of that property and be able to move in? I mean, like, I know that there's a land transfer tax that has to get paid. Um, and that happens, uh, after closing or during closing maybe. Um, and there are some other closing costs like home insurance and there's an HST thing that I'm not going to try to explain because <laughs> explains it way better than me in our second interview episode with her. Um, which actually comes out next week. So look so, forward to that next week, guys. <laughs> look forward to that next week. But so there are some costs associated with closing um, that need to be uh, factored in to uh, your budget for it and also your timeline. Uh, because if you don't get those things done ahead of time, then it kind of just mucks up the process later. Yeah. So, so yeah, one of the first things that we, that I will do as your real estate agent after your offer has gotten accepted is I'll send it to your lawyer. And at this point, your lawyer pretty much becomes, um, your point person, your point person. Yeah, effectively. I mean, yeah, your real estate agent is, is still there. We're still absolutely a point of contact with you. And we're still, we will still maintain communication throughout the entire process throughout closing. Um, and for the most part, we'll, we'll be in touch with your lawyer as well. Um, but yeah, your lawyer really, really takes over the driver's seat from, from kind of this point out your mortgage broker as well, to be honest. Um, so your lawyer will, uh, do a title search for you. There's another date in the contract where the lawyer has to verify that the title is is clean, that nobody has registered any liens on the property, anything like that, that no illegitimate children from three generations of affairs back have popped up to try to claim ownership of the home or anything like that. Um, so your loyal lawyer will do a title search to make sure that the property that you're buying is cool. Um, and they'll go over, you know, statements of adjustments with you. So property taxes, for example, the, the seller will have paid property taxes up until the day of closing. And then you pay property tax on the day that you get possession to the end of the year. So, you know, you have to property taxes. It's a bill for the year for the property. So you have to kind of divide that. Your lawyer will take care of that kind of stuff for you. Um, what is are, the, are the property taxes included in your mortgage or is it on top of it is on top of but it is included in your like for example when you get a pre-approval uh the your mortgage broker will contact your real estate agent and say okay in the area that they are looking in what is the average property tax because it has to be factored into your pre-approval Right. Because you need to be able to pay that. It's a, it's a, cost exactly. Come up it's a cost. Time. Yeah. So, it, so when you actually get your pre-approval back, um, and even if you look at, uh, like if you do it on a mortgage calculator, for example, they will always include your monthly property taxes in the overall payments. Okay. That's good. That's that. So it's not like it's, uh, like an additional thing on top of your mortgage each month that like nobody has considered until it comes up. No. Yeah. Property tax is definitely taken into account from the very beginning. Um, one thing that I will say though, is that, uh, when you are looking at a mortgage calculator, property tax is included based on you paying it monthly. And that is not necessarily the case for everybody. Like, for example, I pay my property tax four times a year. I know you can also just pay it all off in one shot. So 
when you're looking at, so yes, your, your monthly carrying costs, because obviously you would divide your property tax into 12 equal portions, but you know, if you wanted to reduce your kind of like monthly carrying costs, you could pay your, your property tax all off at once, or you could pay it off four times a year. And that way you save that 200, $300, whatever it is, um, on your monthly bills. Because there's, I assume there's HST on property tax. Well, property tax is a tax. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> that is true. It's literally in the name. Yeah. Um, so just pretend I didn't say that. <laughs> and it honestly, it caught me for a full second. I was like, wait, uh, is there? No. And then I was like, yes. wait, tax no. on a tax? Tax. <laughs> Well, that's great. Everybody just found out how much I know about taxes and paying mine. Um, call it a brain fart. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, okay. So you've got you've got your closing costs, you've got your property taxes every month, and then there's kind of like what else happens with your lawyers? Like, what else needs to get done with your lawyers before you're able to actually like move in and assume uh, on, like complete ownership of the home? Um, well, the big funds, all of the funds pretty much go through your lawyer's office. So you will bring your down payment to your, like a check for the down payment to your lawyer when you go to sign all of the paperwork with them. Um, the, the funds for the purchase, like the mortgage funds, um, the amount that you're getting from the bank or from the lender that will also go through the lawyer's trust account, um, except for uh, the deposit that you would have originally paid when you submitted the offer that is in the real estate brokerages trust account. Um, so many trust accounts. Um, and yeah, so they, they go over kind of all of the paperwork for you. They do all of the signing with you. Um, they make sure that your lender has all of the paperwork put in place and that the mortgage is secured and, and the financing and stuff is, um, they just need a copy of that paperwork basically. So they'll get that from your broker. Uh, and congratulations, you bought a house, you get the keys. Yeah. The uh, lawyer will also give you the keys. It's generally the lawyer who will give you the keys, which to be honest, as a real estate agent is a little bit of a bummer <laughs> because it's like, you'd really like to be able to give your clients those keys. Like it would be so satisfying. Like after like the whole search process, like, like, you know, you could be working with a, a buyer for months or years, even honestly. And, you know, your lawyer is working with them for maybe a couple weeks. It's like, oh, you're, you're stealing my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would. I completely agree. That feels like uh, you get shafted a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. I understand. Lawyers are important, but, you know, it would be fun. That said, in the time of COVID, um, what's actually honestly happening is that there are a lot of uh, contactless key exchanges happening. So the lawyer will ask the real estate agent to put a lockbox on the door. Um and then in that case, the code will actually usually come to me. Um, so that's kind of fun. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. COVID's weird, man. COVID is changing everything. Um, yeah. So so your your key exchange details when you buy a property will come from your lawyer. Okay, makes sense. And and I think the other thing that I wanted to like shout out and remind people because again, it's like there's so many moving parts to this. There's all these, there's these closing costs, like these transfer taxes and the 
you know, insurance and things like that. Don't forget to set money aside to furnish your house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you have everything you need from, you know, your, your past place and your family, or you have things in storage. And like, if that's the case, that's fantastic and bully for you. But like, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people, especially for first time home buyers, like you're moving into a place that's probably significantly bigger than anything you've been in before. Not to mention it's, it's, you know, uh, it's yours. And I think to some extent, we all probably dream of like furnishing our house the way that we want it to. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of costs associated. There's, you know, you have your deposit and your down payment and all of these closing costs that you need to set aside and pay. So like, if you're not, if you forget that that's something that you want or need to do and you don't set aside money for it, you could really end up with a dope house that's empty. That's how y'all come house broke. Yeah, like nobody wants that. So uh, just don't, don't forget that guys. Like that's pretty important. Yeah. And there's a few other little things that you're going to have to do too in between closing, like uh, transferring over your utilities into your name, making Mm -hmm. sure the accounts are, uh, you want to have hot water on, after you finish moving in all of those boxes, you are going to want to take a hot shower. Yeah, true that. And also like getting your like internet set up or transferred over. Yeah, all Um, of those things. Your real estate agent will likely, hopefully, ideally have some sort of checklist for you. Um to kind of help you with some of these reminders. Um, like I, I actually, we subscribe to a, a platform that will send people uh, little email reminders saying, hey, you're 60 days out, you're 30 days out, you're 10 days out. Have you done these five things yet? Um, which is really helpful. Really helpful. It all just to have it be coming from somewhere that's like not your own brain. Yeah. It's <laughs> really helpful. And I would think too, like haven't gone through it myself yet. Um, but I, I would think that the whole, especially in the last, you know, 30 days and upon closing, it's probably pretty hectic in that brain. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things to keep track of in the, and, and, and again, like anything that's like money is stressful, I think for most of us. Um, so it can be really easy to lose track of all of the stuff that needs to get done and when, uh, so doing yeah. elevators. Yeah. So moving into a condo. You're moving into a condo, book elevators and they won't do it for you. So like if you forget to do that and you show up on moving day with all your shit in your U-Haul truck and you can't have an elevator, then good luck moving that shit in (laughs) less than 12 hours, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's not, do they even let you like, would they even let people just go up and down with pieces? Probably not. Honestly, it'll be, it would be building specific some, I mean, if they'd get real pissed off if you started coming in with couches and big pieces of furniture and you didn't have a service elevator reserved yeah um so I mean either way you're not setting up a good relationship with your concierge and property manager yeah true that which is which is you want that like if there are other people involved in where you live it's usually best to maintain cordial relationships yeah for sure but yeah so I mean it's exciting. It's, I feel like it's also, uh, for a real estate agent, it's, it's really kind of the point where I take a little bit of a step back, but it's really the point where, uh, the consumer kind of kicks it into high gear a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely feel like it's a 
stressful period for my client. Not stressful, but like just because there's a lot of, as you said, there's a lot of moving parts um, and it's a lot of stuff to remember. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot to remember. So um, I definitely find that it's probably the time when my clients get the most frazzled. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, th- that that's kind of what I meant. Just like the it's it, when you've got that much, and even like excitement can make you frazzled too, right? Because yeah, it, totally. It, it, it's just, excitement is just a different word for anxiety, really. <laughs> I, it's a different type. Um, it's a positive anxiety, I suppose, which is why we don't call it anxiety, but it's it it kind of manifests in the same way, I think, which is just like a, a lot. It's just a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting process. Yeah, we should, uh, we're gonna have to interview a buyer, somebody who just bought a house, and say, yeah. um, uh, to go through all of that with them. And also, eventually, we're gonna interview a lawyer as well, who will be able to, I think, really elaborate on the closing process. Since like Whatever, neither yeah. I nor Katie really uh, are involved with that bit, um, we know. But it would be nice to have somebody who does this for a living explain it coherently and concisely, <laughs> like all the proper terms that you're probably going to end up actually seeing and having to know what they mean. Um, yeah. So so for the record, guys, this is kind of our, our overview episode so that you know that we haven't forgotten that closing exists. <laughs> um, but we, we will speak to an expert at some point uh, to kind of get a little bit more in depth on that. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Congratulations. You just bought a house. Don't yeah. freak out. It's a good thing. You probably already made money by the time you closed because prices be low. Yeah, price- I said that twice today. Price- I don't know why. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, not goodness. something that I say. Yeah, I've never I've heard you twice. say it before. Just a bolt of inspiration from the blue. I don't want that to be a new catchphrase. <laughs> well, you said it twice and it's been recorded both times. So uh, you may be shit out of luck there. I might be, but we're going to smack me with a ruler or something. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, Carol Salt responded. My mother responded about uh, the, the, the swirly brackets and apparently they are just called brackets. Oh. They're just a different type, but they're oh. still brackets. They don't have a fancy name? I don't know. I mean, if she doesn't know it, then even if they do, it's irrelevant. Yeah. No, I trust <laughs> that. I do trust that. <laughs> huh. We should I name- know. It was a little disappointing. I wanted them to be called, like, I don't know, like, parabolic brackets or something like that. Like, that sounds, can- like, fancy or something. Can we officially dub them the squirrely brackets? Yeah. Squirrely is good because they're kind of swirly, but they're not really swirly and squirrely is funnier to say. So I'm good with that. Squirrely brackets. Y'all they're called squirrely brackets. Officially put it in the dictionary guys. Yeah. If anybody like actually still uses urban dictionary and knows how to make uh, entries, please do. I fully still use urban dictionary. I don't make entries, but I definitely look up stuff all the time. <laughs> oh, I, that's true. Actually. I definitely look stuff up on urban dictionary. I think my mom really got into urban dictionary for a while. Well, I feel like I'm just old now and I'm like, all these kids are saying all these like new things. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I got to look that that's up. That's <laughs> so true. Like I'm, I, the TikTok generation has left me behind in their dust. Oh my God. In their real dust. And I'm not like, I'm not old, but I am we're starting to feel it okay well we're gonna tangent 
and this tangent. <laughs> I was going to say tangent off this tangent, but I was like, that's just not going to make sense. So we're going to stop talking. We're, we're branching off. We're branching off, you know, just call it another branch on the branch. Branching, branching. All right, cool. Well, that's going to be a wrap for this episode uh, before the pillow fort comes down. Yeah. Uh, if you guys have questions, as always, uh, DM us on Instagram. Even if they're questions that from this episode, it's become clear that we personally can't answer. Uh, <laughs> we'll want them <laughs> because we will ask somebody who knows. Yeah, for sure. We'll do that. Dope. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, and come back again next week so that you can hear part two of our interview with Monica Falco, the mortgage broker extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Property Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to like and subscribe and follow us on all of the platforms. And remember, if you have any questions about anything we've discussed on the podcast, or if you want us to discuss, DM us on our Instagram at Property Podcast. That's P-R-O-P-E-R-T-E-A Podcast. See you next time. Bye. Bye.